When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello and welcome to another episode of Her Hoop Stats Unplugged. As always, you are here with Megan Gower and we are officially a week into the season. We've had a lot of upsets already, a top five matchup last night, Monday night, we're recording this on Tuesday. So, so much going on across the sport in this first week. We're going to touch a little bit on kind of all of those things that have happened in this episode, but through the lens of looking at next week's Thanksgiving tournaments, always a very exciting time of the year. Lots of big matchups with top 25 teams happening over the next week in a series of Thanksgiving tournaments. And we're going to take a look at the, the four best fields, at least in my opinion, for those tournaments on this episode. And to do that, I am here today with Calvin Wetzel from our Hoop Sets team. Hey, Calvin, how's it going? Hey, I'm good, Megan. How are you? Good. Excited to have you back on. It's just about a few weeks, but it feels like longer because we recorded that preview well ahead of time. So, (laughs) but the season is here and this coming week is one of the most exciting weeks. I know I think that and you probably agree with me of the season with the Thanksgiving tournaments coming up. Lots of just really exciting non-conference matchups coming up over the next week or so in some very fun locations as well so a lot of games to kind of look forward to in the coming weeks and wanted to just use this episode to take four of those tournaments that have some of the best fields going in this year and and talk through um, those fields and what we're looking forward to seeing over the next week yeah no I think we talked about on our last podcast about our favorite weeks of the season and in in some order it was the first week of the season (laughs) 
March Madness and, and Champ Week plus the first week of the tournament, and then this week that we're about to talk about Thanksgiving. Those those are kind of the top three. So we we just finished up one, and we're about to get into another one. <laughs> yes, it's very exciting, and yeah, it's been a fun first week and a day or so. It's, it's really only been a week and a day. It feels longer almost because it's like so much has happened in the last week. But yeah, yeah. a fun first week, and now getting to talk about the, the set of games. I think starting with probably. In my opinion, the best field, I think, of the tournament and also the first one chronologically. The the battle for Atlantis is coming up this weekend. Oh, um, look at you. <laughs> yeah. I have figured out how to use StreamYard kind of. So we've got fun stuff for this episode. We can pretend that we're in Bahamas, even though it is 29 degrees in Connecticut. And I am unfortunately not in the Bahamas. <laughs> Uh, we can live vicariously. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but a really good field here. I mean, we're going to go through a lot of these matchups in a second, but just to run through it, you've got Tennessee, Texas, Louisville, all, all ranked squads in this game uh, or in this, this tournament. And then, I mean, UCLA, not ranked currently, but hanging right around there. South Dakota State also kind of hanging around, even though they lost their opening week game against Creighton. Gonzaga, another really good team, and then rounding out the field with Marquette and Rutgers. So a, a pretty great slate kind of heading into this tournament, which starts on the 19th. So Friday? I lied. Saturday. Saturday and goes into Monday. The championship on Monday. The championship, I believe, is on ESPN as well. So we get at least one game that is not on, on Flow Sports. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I won't knock Flow Sports too much on this podcast, though, because they are sending Ice Young, who hosts our other podcast, to to cover or to call a lot of these games. So they, they've stepped up their game. <laughs> I, I didn't hear that. That's awesome. Good for Ice. Yeah. I the other day she did the uh, the NBC, the first ever NBC women's college basketball game. I talked to her afterwards, and, and uh, she, she always does a good job. So it's cool. To, um, good for you, Ice, if you're listening. Good for you. Um, I'm looking at the bracket uh, that you so kindly sent me. It looks like the third place game is on ESPNU, so at least two. Oh. Uh, yeah, good, <laughs> good for four hoops, higher and ice. But um, yeah, they they there's some pros and cons to flow hoops. Leave it at that. <laughs> Mainly, I just pay so much money to watch basketball. Right? I hate that I have to spend another thirty dollars. <laughs> Wow, yeah, it's true. It's a must in November. It's just yes. It's, for you, probably what for five months as a Big East fan, do you pay for it all year as a Big East fan? I well, I just did it for a month, but I was as I was doing it, I was regretting maybe not just doing the whole year. I have to go back and figure out if I made a mistake, but I was just doing it on the fly because I realized that that's what Creighton and Nebraska are planning on tonight. <laughs> yeah, it's always Creighton's home, I think. So it's always the home yeah. team conference, Big East games, flow hoops. Yeah. But is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. So yeah, maybe starting on the, the top half of this bracket. So opening games on the on the top half, we've got Tennessee versus Rutgers, and then UCLA versus South Dakota State. I mean, as much as Tennessee has struggled against Big Ten teams so far this season, I don't know that 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 top one is all that intriguing. I think even in Tennessee's current state. It probably are going to be able to take care of Rutgers. Yeah, I, I've uh, 
I've hated quite a bit on Tennessee <laughs> on here and on Twitter. So uh, I'll I will just say that you're right. I I am not even low enough on Tennessee to pick Rutgers in this game. Rutgers had a great run for a really long time under C. Vivian Stringer, and that runs over. They're at the bottom of the Big Ten right now. Uh, I think they're pretty easily the worst team in this field. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I think there's a gap from seven to eight. Sorry, Rutgers. But uh, <laughs> I, I definitely think the second game that you brought up, UCLA, South Dakota State, is going to be a much better one. Those are two teams, like you said, neither one of them is ranked. Wouldn't be surprised to see either one of them in and out of the rankings at some point this season. Maybe one of them goes on a run in this tournament. They end up there following Monday. But that that's one that I would definitely have circled in the first round as maybe being the closest match. Either that one or the fourth one, which we'll get to. But, um, yeah, I think Tennessee, Tennessee should take care of business. Yeah, and I believe that's a that second game there is a, a rematch of the WNIT semifinals. I'm pretty sure that was. I believe you are correct. Yeah. So, yeah, that should be fun. South Dakota State obviously got that win over UCLA in the, that tournament last season and went on to win it all. But, I mean, I think I've watched a little bit of UCLA. It's shocking, I know, so far. But I do think that I really like what I've seen from their backcourt so far. I think really no surprise that Charisma Osborne has come out in her senior season and be able to do a lot for them. But they're kind of healthy. They've got Kiki Rice, the, the number two recruit in the country. Um there as well, top recruiting class, and their backcourt looks good, and the rest of their team is healthy, which is not something we've been able to say about UCLA in quite a long time, it seems. Uh, they were one of the most, I think, in the in injury-ravaged teams in the country last year. Um, really, just not a lot they could do about it. But yeah, I, I got a chance to watch them in that game. Now, I didn't prep. We talked about this. I forget which game it was, but it was uh, the afternoon game a few days ago. At like 1 p.m. or whatever it was, I thought Kiki Rice looked great uh, mm -hmm. in that one. Pulling up her box scores here, yeah, she's uh, she's had a solid impact. And like you said, Chris Chris Osborne, leader of this team. Um, South Dakota State, on the other hand, this is this is like a team full of seniors um, and experience, and they blew through that WNIT last year, no problem. Um, I'm actually a little bit surprised that they haven't been better early on. Um, they're they're one and one. They, they barely escaped Mississippi State the other day. I uh, thought they'd win that game by a little bit more. They won by one. Last second, three, cut it to one. But um, they – or are they two and one? Again. <laughs> but either way, South Dakota State has been actually playing a little bit worse than I thought, and I still think they've been playing pretty well. But I think they're only going to get better as the season goes on. Um, and that's going to be one of those teams. They kind of peaked – in March last year, just happened to be in the WNIT because they didn't get in the tournament. Could see this being a team that peaks in March again this year, but they're still going to be a, a very tough out in this game too. Yeah, for sure. I think this is probably, I mean, there's some some big top 10 type matchups that could occur in this tournament, but still that game in that opening slate, I think it's one of the more interesting games in this one to keep an eye on. Yeah, they're two and one, by the way. I was wrong. I pulled up. They lost Creighton to Mississippi State. I forgot about the Lehigh game in the middle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, not the, the biggest opponent there. So no, I was not out of mind. I actually thought they were going to win that Creighton game, though. Creighton played really well in the opener. They did. So yeah. yeah. And then moving down to the, the bottom half of this bracket, we've got Texas and Marquette, and then Louisville and Gonzaga. Again, with the Texas Marquette one, the one on top there, I don't, I don't expect that to be too 
intriguing. Marquette is always a solid team, but I do think Texas, even without um, Rory Hartman, still has the star power to kind of just overtake them in that game. And then hopefully we will actually get to see Rory Hartman come this weekend. It sounds like she's day-to-day from what Vic Schaefer said last night up at UConn, but it's always kind of hard to read with those things. Yeah, no, that, I mean, she makes a big difference. You're right. They should definitely take care of Marquette without her. Um, I don't know how far they go in this tournament if they don't have her at any point in the tournament. Um, I definitely see them getting picked off by Louisville or Gonzaga the second round or wherever they would meet up in the championship if, if they get there. Um, I think Rory Harmon makes a huge difference, especially in the offensive end. It's not a team that's really loaded with offensive firepower, um, and we've kind of seen that. Uh, you know, especially in their their first game, they really struggled for a while on the offensive end. Uh, Shaley Gonzalez, you know, is is obviously going to be help them a lot in that department. But they really need that one-two punch, I think, to in, in the backcourt with Gonzalez and, and Rory Harmon to really reach their fullest potential because the defense can only take you so far. And when you're playing elite teams like we saw last night in UConn, yeah, what UConn put up, 80? I forget what it was. Uh <laughs> yeah, it was over 80. I don't remember the exact 83, 83, I think. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, if that's happening to Texas, they don't they don't have a chance without both of those backcourt players. But um they they might be the favorite if they have Rory Harmon. They're certainly right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think the other thing with getting Rory Harmon back with this team is something that Big Schaefer pointed out last night is that like they have these other offensive weapons in Shaley Gonzalez and Sonia Morris, who did well offensively for them last night, but they aren't kind of experienced in the Texas system where Rory Harmon has already played a year at Texas and she kind of knows what Vic Schaefer is trying to do. And he expressed some frustration last night with really getting his team to execute on offense the way he wanted to and to do the set, run the sets that he was trying to get across. So I think just having Harmon back in that spot will make a big difference there and hopefully cut down on some of the turnovers that we've seen in their, their first couple of games as well. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And, and I mean, they run a specific offense too with the dribble drive. And uh, I think it was Gabe Ibrahim, shout out Gabe, was telling me uh, he was watching kind of a feature on it about, about what Vic asked of his players from the dribble drive offense and all this specific stuff. Like he doesn't doesn't allow them to shoot underhanded layups and, you know, all, all these different things he has. So it's I'm sure there's a learning curve when you transfer to Texas, as there would be anywhere, but um you know it's it's definitely something that i feel like is would take some getting used to um and is probably very different than what either of those two players saw at byu and depaul yeah for sure and then jumping down to the the other matchup there i think this one is intriguing louisville and gonzaga louisville is a team to me that maybe has underperformed a little bit so far haven't been overly impressed with their defense belmont of course a very very good team but took them really down to the wire this weekend um so i think this is a game that could certainly get interesting and gonzaga has a shot at pulling off an upset yeah oh, i think gonzaga has a great shot gonzaga was uh in the same pod where i picked tennessee as the uh overrated team i think gonzaga was one of my underrated and i think this will be our first chance to find out if, if that's true or not uh because so far gonzaga's looked awesome but they haven't had any big tests. So, you know, does uh, does it mean anything? I don't know. But in this tournament, they will right away in, in this game. And we'll find out whether they're underrated or not. Uh, I think they should be ranked, but they're going to have to prove it. You're right, though. I've been underwhelmed with Louisville. Uh, beat Cincinnati by 19. Uh, that should have been 
20 plus game. It'd be IUPUI who lost like their entire team and their coach uh, from what was a really good team last year. Not anymore. Beat them by 22. I mean, those are comfortable wins, but feels like if you're going to be a top five, top seven team, you should be winning those games by 30. And I wasn't very impressed with their defense in any of those games either. Uh, Belmont, I love Belmont. So to me, I don't know, no shame to me in beating Belmont yeah. by five, but I'm I'm much more high on Belmont than anyone else is. Um, I I do think, though, that Louisville could is going to have to play better than they have in the first three games if they want to win. Not, not even just the championship, this game against Gonzaga. I think if they play the way they played in the first three games, Gonzaga will win this game. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think I don't think the Belmont game in isolation is an issue. I think it's when you look at it combined with how they played their first two games as well. That's when I start to say, all right, like there's definitely some concerns defensively. They've had some trouble finding success on the d- defensive end. HVL has been... Haley Van Lith has been fantastic for them, but I feel like I haven't really seen anyone else make like a big jump and step up. And I think they need that to kind of be in that top five, top 10 type team that we're talking about them as. They do. No one else is averaging double figures on this team. She's averaging 22. They really need someone like Crystalyn Carr, who they brought in, uh, you know, as a transfer, Morgan Jones, who they brought in as a transfer to help with their offense. Um, you know, after losing Keanu Smith, they, they really need probably one of those two players to step up. I think, uh, on the offensive end. Um, and then Olivia Cochran uh, has probably been their second best player offensively, um, but she hasn't even been necessarily like an offensive star or anything. They, they need – Haley Van Lith needs a Robin to her Batman right now on the offensive side of the ball. For sure, yeah, and I don't think there's kind of a consistent threat there to go with her yet. So I think that's a big – question mark for Louisville as we're kind of watching how they they progress over the next few weeks and further as well I think that kind of leaves this tournament in an interesting spot though I mean hopefully Rory Harmon is healthy but if she's not I feel like you have a lot of potential to see kind of probably not at all what people would be expecting to be a championship matchup in this tournament no I yeah you're right I mean <laughs> you could see Gonzaga could beat Louisville that's not out of the question at all uh ucla or south dakota state that winner could beat tennessee in the second round not out of the question at all uh and and texas could get picked off if they don't have Roy Harmon. so it it's not it wouldn't shock me if especially if no Roy Harmon, to see a championship between none of those there's three ranked teams you said all in the top 15 right now tennessee's gonna drop out but uh to see none of those three teams in the championship game you could see Gonzaga versus either UCLA or South Dakota State would be the most likely way for that to happen. And that wouldn't be completely crazy, I don't think. Yeah, exactly. And I, it's always fun, though, right? That's what Thanksgiving tournaments are for. <laughs> a little chaos. It's always good. Uh, I'm here for that if that happens. I would love it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think I feel like I more expect the upset on the top half. Like, I really do think that whoever wins – UCLA, South Dakota State very well could end up in that championship matchup. I think I would actually probably pick either of those teams over Tennessee right now. I'm just <laughs> well, like, we got backpedaling on everything I said about Tennessee like three weeks we ago. Got the dark side. Uh, <laughs> well, especially because it gives me a chance to be a UCLA fan. <laughs> it's easier <laughs> to go the dark side to be like, well, Chris Osborne is taking this team to the championship of the tournament. <laughs> But I do think that is a very viable possibility for UCLA right now, which should definitely move them. I would say if they 
they make that championship game, they're already hovering, I think, pretty much at 26 in terms of votes. So that should push them into the top 25. No question. But yeah, I feel like the bottom half is just so difficult to try to make even make a pick, not knowing if, if Roy Harmon is healthy. It's, so, it's like hard, hard to decide who you think would go up to that championship game. Yeah, I mean, I think that second game is going to be really close. So <laughs> I a lot maybe a lot closer than people think. Uh, you know, maybe like the Louisville Belmont game, actually, a lot closer than people think. Um, and then, of course, Marquette. Like, I don't see them coming out of this bottom half, but when you slow the game down as much as they do, and when you're playing a team like Texas, if they don't have Roy Harmon, don't have the offensive firepower, like, you never know if it turns into one of those, like, 57 to 52 slogs, which I don't think Marquette would necessarily hate. Um, that Anyone could come out of those. So I'm not going to count them out. Yeah, I think the other thing they have going for them is that, you know, Sonia Morris was kind of really the biggest offensive weapon that Texas had last night against UConn, and Marquette kind of has her number a little bit from Big East play. She played at DePaul for three seasons, four seasons. So they, they've seen Sonia Morris plenty of times. They have. No, that's, <laughs> uh, that's a great point, too. Yeah, I'm going to force you to make a pick, though. We have to pick someone to win it, so I'm going to force you to make Ooh. a pick. <laughs> All right. Um, oh, man. Am I going to go traditional or am I going to get spicy? Let's get spicy. <laughs> Why not? Uh, I'm going to go Gonzaga. I'm going to get spicy. Fair. I like it. I like it. I'm going to go, not that spicy, go Texas. I think even if Rory Harmon isn't healthy, the one thing that Texas has going for them is they just played that game against UConn, and even though they lost it, I think that's a big kind of teaching experience for this team. And I don't know that any, well, other than Tennessee, but I don't think Tennessee is one of this tournament. No other team on this list has kind of had that kind of big ticket, top five type game, top ten type game to really – uh, under their belt at this point in the season. And I think those teach you the most about where your team's at and how to get better. Even though it's a quick turnaround, I think that experience can help Texas kind of push their way to to the championship and then get the win, even if they don't have a full Roy Harmon back yet. Definitely. And they, and they did uh, kind of make a run at the end to turn it into not a blowout on the final scoreboard, right. um, which is which is something you could kind of take away too. Not that they're ever going to say like, oh, moral victories or anything, but we can look at it that way and it, it can right. work that way whether they say that or not. Yeah, exactly. When UConn went up by 17 there in the, the fourth quarter, they could have easily kind of just hung their heads on that, but they were able to cut it back to single digits. So I think that that says a lot about the fight of this team. And then once they get Rory Harmon back, obviously they're going to be much better, but I think they're going to get better even not having her on the floor currently. Yeah, that late run was uh, much to the dismay of UConn better. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> All right, should we move to the next next one? So we've got sliding over to Oregon. Got two tournaments <laughs> in Oregon. I like these. I like these. <laughs> two. It's fun. It's cheesy, but it's fun. <laughs> so two tournaments in Portland, uh, both part of the Phil Knight Legacy Phil Knight Invitational. The first time on the women's side that they're having Phil Knight tournaments alongside the men's. So that is obviously awesome to see that the women are getting in on kind of these these big um, 
Thanksgiving tournaments, though, I don't know if I was playing, I think I would rather be in the Bahamas than Oregon still, but that's, that's okay. <laughs> um, but I've got these in reverse order on my paper, so we're going to start with these ones. So, so November 25th and number 27th is the, the Phil Knight Legacy Tournament. Um, just four teams in each of these fields. So that one is UConn, Duke, Iowa, in Oregon State. UConn playing Duke in the opening matchup and Iowa playing Oregon State in in those opening in that opening matchup. Um, we should talk about those in a minute, but I feel like the easy thing to do here is to jump to the championship game because this is obviously <laughs> set up for a UConn-Iowa championship game. Yeah, you're right. Um, I Part of me always hates doing that because you know someone's going to make us look dumb, but <laughs> whatever. We'll, you know, credit to them if they do because I think we have to go there. Uh, so it's a bummer that that we'll, if we get that, it won't be the Caitlin Clark versus Paige Beckers because that would be the headline or whatever, but the media would eat that up, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I Here's my thing on Iowa. So... If if I was more right on Tennessee than you were at the begin at the on the podcast, uh, the our last podcast, I think you were probably my, more right on Iowa because I thought, okay, I was never going to be good at defense. Like they're just it's not who they are. But they were less bad on defense last year than they were the year before. And I thought they might take another step. And then through two games against nobodies, it sort of looked like they were taking another step. But it was against nobodies, and then they finally played a somebody in Drake. And their defense didn't do anything uh, in that overtime. They escaped in overtime in that game. Um, and maybe it only went to overtime because Caitlin Clark was struggling. But they're still, their defense still didn't show up. Uh, so I, you're, you're right on that regard. Uh, UConn's whatever they scored against Texas, 80-something, they're going to score a lot more than that on Iowa if they don't fix anything. Um, but it'll also be interesting to see you know how, how they guard the other way because um, obviously Gino's – a uh, fantastic coach um, and anytime you put the talent on the floor that UConn does um, you you have some options with how you can attack Caitlin Clark just in terms of um, who's guarding her who you're switching on to her how are you guarding ball screens and all this stuff it'll be it'll be a really fun chess match I think uh, assuming we get that game yeah I agree with everything you said I think even without Paige Beckers versus Caitlin Clark you still have 85 versus Caitlin Clark so I think that matchup is going to be fun. But yeah, that Iowa drink game, they, Iowa really just had no answer in the lane at all defensively. I mean, there was defensive issues anywhere, everywhere, but especially in the lane, Drake's like five foot eight point guard just scored at <laughs> absolute will in the paint in that game. And I think if they come out with defense like that, I mean, you saw what Easy Fun did against Texas last night with 32 points. If they come out against, um, or, Iowa comes out with that kind of defense against UConn, they're, they're going to be in some trouble. Yeah, no, I, you know, I think Caitlin Clark won't be the highest scorer in this game. I think AZ Fudd will. Uh, and AZ Fudd is probably a lot closer to being as good as Caitlin Clark as people maybe want to say, uh, as people maybe want to admit. Um, I know, you know, it's Aaliyah Boston, then Caitlin Clark, then everyone else in terms of healthy players, but AZ Fudd is starting to feel like she might be right there. Um, and I, I think this will be a chance to prove it. Yeah, with Iowa's defense, though, you're right. Like, the thing – I mean, Drake is a great team to be able to exploit that, to be fair, like, with all, with all their motion offense. They score the rim against anybody, but, like, 
with Iowa, you either have to have great elite defenses have a good rim protector and good perimeter defenders. Good defenses have one or the other. So if you have bad perimeter defenders who get beat, you have the rim protector behind them to help and block the shots or vice versa. Iowa doesn't really have either one of those. Though. The perimeter defenders kept getting beat and there was no one on the backside to compensate for that uh, against Drake. And that's just a problem that they continuously have. And they're not going get to away, get away with that against UConn like they did against Drake. Yeah, I will say that like UConn definitely has some defensive issues as well. So like it's going to be an issue on both sides. I think when you look at Iowa and how many points Sonato was able to score against Drake in the post, and I don't think UConn's post defense against Texas was great. I think the advantage that they get with with Iowa is that they can probably afford to double Sonato and force someone else to score on on Iowa in the um in the paint. So I think that will help UConn, but I do think that's an issue and a matchup that you're going to have to keep an eye on, especially there was a lot of fouls in that Texas game in general, but if one of their bigs gets into foul trouble, they don't have a lot of depth there. And the same thing on the perimeter, I don't think that UConn really returns any of its proven perimeter defenders outside of Nika Mule. So if Nika Mule's in foul trouble, they they could have some issues guarding Caitlin Clark as well. Yeah, I neither team is going to fully be able to handle the other team on defense for 40 minutes. They're going to get there's, they're going to have some slip-ups for sure. Um, so, which might be a fun TV game for yes, <laughs> uh, women's basketball. Just in terms of, I mean, that I like anything, but you know, the 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 basketball fan, the average basketball fan, wants to see points. So we might get some points. Yeah, and the fun thing about this tournament is it all is on national television, which is very <laughs> exciting. <laughs> ABC for that that potential UConn Iowa game too, which is obviously a big one. Yeah, no, that, I love that. I, I'm just looking at the bracket again. I didn't even realize that. ESPN2, ESPNU, ESPN2, and ABC. You're right. Good for them. Yeah, exciting. Something you don't need to spend $30 on Flow Sports to watch. You <laughs> get <laughs> just the actual production quality that women's basketball Yes, deserves. also that. <laughs> exactly. I'm sure ESPN is <laughs> sending their best for that ABC matchup too. So it should be, should be a quality <laughs> broadcast. All right. Let's talk a little bit at least about Duke and Oregon State. I think we've kind of established that they are definitely not favorites in, in any way to make it to that championship game. But I think a, a matchup that could be a little bit interesting in that, that third place game and that both of these teams, I think, are power conference teams that haven't looked great so far. I think that's fair to say on both accounts. Oregon State, pretty young, brought in a big recruiting class, but um, just a young squad overall. And then Duke, I think, has just struggled maybe a little bit more than people would have expected to start the season. But it should, I think, kind of be an interesting game and a chance for one of those two teams to pick up a, a solid kind of power five win for their resume come March. Yeah, uh, you're right. Both these teams, they're both undefeated in both in extremely underwhelming ways. Um, None of them have played anyone great. None of them have uh, really made a statement against the opponents that they did play. Uh, Oregon State beat Hawaii by one, uh, which isn't a terrible team. It's not a good team. Uh, Talia Von Olhoffen has looked great, Um, but but Oregon State isn't very deep right now. And and then... um, on the Duke side, 
I, I'm not sure where Cheyenne Day Wilson was. I had higher hopes for her this year. Um, but I feel like if Duke's going to reach the, reach their full potential, they're going to need more out of her on the offensive end. Yeah, I fully agree. So be an interesting opportunity for one of those teams to at least make a, a little bit of a statement and pick up a, a quality win instead of just an underwhelming start to their season. Yeah, there might be a, a big bubble win. Who knows? One or both yeah. be on the bubble. So you might be looking back very at this one much. <laughs> yeah, could be very important for one of those two teams. Um, flipping over to the Phil Knight Invitational. So another Oregon-based tournament as part of the Phil Knight um, tournament spread there. Another good field here, here too, North Carolina and Oregon, and then Iowa State and Michigan State in the opening round games. Um, so you've got, I believe, three ranked teams there in North Carolina, Oregon, and Iowa State. That should be kind of a fun set of games, I think. Again, one that's a little easy to try to jump to the national championship, expecting it to kind of be North Carolina and, and Iowa State and a chance to see kind of some of the top of the ACC against the top of the Big 12, but overall a solid field in general as well. Yeah, and Oregon, even without Sedona Prince, uh, definitely has a better chance to kind of wreck that projected championship than either of the two teams we talked about in the first bracket, I think. Uh, Another team hasn't really been tested yet, but still always has potential. Uh, Nina Pow Pow is going to be one of the best players on the floor. And Michigan State's played well, too. Also, I, this is a theme. It, like, most of these teams have played really well against no one yet. So <laughs> this is, like, the first chance to see if they actually play well against a tough opponent. Um, but I do think it should be Iowa State, North Carolina, which will be uh, an absolute battle. Um, you know, I and – but the this this bracket is better to me in terms of like parity, one through yeah. four. Um, I it's like it's worse at the top a little bit, still very good. Uh, but UConn's better than anyone in this bracket, and it's a lot better at the bottom too. So one through four is just a lot closer. Yeah, exactly. I still would be kind of surprised to see an upset, but there's definitely a much much higher chance of it here than there is in that first bracket. Um, so I think those up opening games like will be ones to actually keep an eye on. I feel like something about the Thanksgiving tournaments too, probably just like it's the holidays, you've traveled halfway across the country, but it always seems to breed a little bit more upset potential and it being so early and teams haven't really been tested yet. So are they ready for that test? Always kind of keeps things a little bit interesting. Yeah. And the other thing too, Oregon's going to have the crowd. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, they that could put them over the top for an upset here too. Yeah, for sure. That's I didn't think about that part, but that is an important part, even though it's a it's an early game. Well, it's on Thanksgiving, I guess. Well, I've honestly, if I lived in Oregon, that's what I would be doing on Thanksgiving. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hopefully they'll still have a crowd. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not a home home game for them, but it's just down the road in Portland, so it'll be a home game, a pseudo yeah. home game. Yeah, so that'll be something to keep an eye on in that first matchup. I do I do think UNC is pretty solid, though, and I do think they'll probably be able to overcome that, that home team element and, and come out on top. And then I think that, that North Carolina-Iowa State matchup, if we get it, is a very intriguing one. I think the top of the ACC is so fuzzy right now, and we haven't really seen everyone play kind of against better teams yet, so it's really hard to decipher, like, where all those teams – fall within that top tier of the ACC with Louisville, NC State, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, 
I feel like I might be missing one in there, but I think this will be a good chance to see kind of North Carolina against a, a higher caliber opponent and what do they look like? And then kind of a similar thing for Iowa state. I think this is an experienced team and a team that has a lot of potential this year, but we also haven't seen them really play anyone yet this season. Yeah. And they, uh, they struggled for two and a half or three quarters against Southern, which Oregon struggled for <laughs> over a quarter against Southern. Iowa struggled for over a quarter against Southern. I don't know what it is about Southern in the first quarter. They've been weirdly scrappy in the first quarter, but um, I, Iowa State is is always one of those teams that is just uh, it. They're, they're just fun to watch the way that they shoot the three. It also means that they're very prone to just going, you know, getting on fire or going ice cold, uh, one or the other. But um, it's definitely a fun team to watch. First area, yeah, I think that matchup just has so much potential to be a lot of fun. The kind of matchup that you like would expect to see in like a March time frame. So should be a good one early on. The last but not least, <laughs> uh, November 25th to 27th, the Gulf Coast Showcase down in Fort Myers, um, a bigger field, kind of like the first tournament we talked about. So we've got Baylor, St. Louis, Belmont, Villanova, Michigan, Air Force, Georgia Tech and South Florida. So a little less top heavy than that battle for Atlantis lineup, but a lot of teams that are in the maybe bottom half of the top 25, probably in the top 50. I think this tournament just has like a, a lot of potential to get very interesting. It does. Yeah. There's a lot of juicy matchups in this one. Belmont Villanova sticks out in the first yeah. round, but all sorts of potential in the second round, I think. And, and Michigan has been, I've been impressed with Michigan. I thought I think we both thought that they would take a pretty big drop off without Nas Hillman. Um, and they've probably taken a little drop off, but not as big as I thought. Uh, Emily Kaiser has has stepped up a lot for them and Layla Philia. Both those players are averaging 20 points a game. Um, so they, uh, Michigan could make some noise in this thing too. Yeah, for sure. And of course, they haven't really played anyone yet, but I think it's when players are averaging 20 points, it still says, says something. So it'll be interesting to kind of see if they can continue that into um, into this tournament when they are actually going to see some some real tests at some point in the in this field. But yeah, I think that first round matchup, Belmont-Villanova, is one that definitely jumps out to me. Villanova picked up the big win over at Princeton this weekend to move into the top 25. Like we said, Belmont just took Louisville down to the wire. So that game has a lot of potential. And I think should Baylor come out of that top game, whoever wins that versus Baylor is also going to be a very interesting matchup. Yeah. One, either one of those teams could give Baylor fits if they, if on the right night, uh, Belmont's another one of those teams, like uh, a lot different than Iowa state, but in the same uh, regards just the way they shoot the three can can be inconsistent, um, which can be good if it, uh, you know, on the high end of your inconsistency, that means that you have a lot of potential. You have a really high ceiling. And we've seen that already with Belmont. They barely escaped Chattanooga in their first game, and then they barely lost to Louisville in their second game. Uh, so they, we could, who knows what we see from them. But on, on the good nights of Belmont, they could compete with anyone in this bracket, including Baylor. For sure. And I think I would say the same thing for Villanova too. Maddie Segrist has just been fantastic for them, kind of picking right up where she left off last season. She 
I mean, put the team on her back to get that win at Princeton. She had some insane shots in that game to give them the win. And I think if they were to match up with Baylor too, it's kind of a fun from a WNBA draft prospect uh, angle. You've got Seagrest and then you've got Asia Blackwell over at Baylor. So that should be a fun matchup to watch as well. So I think either way, the second game in that top half of the bracket is going to be a really fun one. Yeah, I was gonna ask. Uh, I was gonna ask you. Do you think there is there a player in this tournament as good as Maddie Seagrass? The only one that came to mind to me was maybe Asia Blackwell, but is Maddie Seagrass the best player in this tournament? I think Maddie Seagrass is probably the best player in this tournament. Yeah, I would pretty confidently say that. I think that because she plays in the Big East, she maybe doesn't get as much attention as she deserves in terms of how good she is. But I would say for sure that she's probably the best tournament player in this tournament. I agree. I think the only one, like I said, who has a who's in the conversation is Blackwell, but I think Seagrass is better. And I think uh, if, if they play each other, we'll get to actually, are, if they both lose, I guess Baylor's probably not going to lose to St. Louis. There's no consolation in this one. It looks like anyway. So they'll both have to win to play each other. Um, but if they do, like you said, that'll be a fun matchup for WNBA potential, but also just like star matchup right now to probably the two best players in the bracket. Yeah, for sure. I think that would be be a lot of fun to see. Um, and probably, I mean, I think Maddie Seagrass is starting to get on people's radar, but I would definitely put her more on the radar to, to have a kind of high-profile game against a team like Baylor. I guess she's probably already on everyone's radar after the Nova upset UConn last year. But still. <laughs> I'm sure there's still some people who are sleeping who, yeah. who uh, need to wake up a little bit. I don't see on the – uh bracket you sent me here what channels this one is on do you know i don't know i'll look it up though it would be very great if some of these are on national tv to get uh to get maddie Severus on national tv because that would definitely put her more on everyone's radar where she should be yes um i have a feeling this one might be a flow sports tournament though if i remember from previous years gulf coast showcase <laughs> Yeah, I just went to their website. Oh, watch all 24 games online on Float Hoops. No <laughs> national television, unfortunately. So we'll have to wait to catch Batty Segris on national TV. I believe, though, their game, Villanova's game at UConn, and I believe one of their games against DePaul are both Fox games. So not just national okay. TV, but network TV this year. So there's going to be some one, but Fox Fox? Yeah, Fox Fox games. Good. They're on FS1 Good. a few times, too, but Fox Fox a couple yeah. times. So. Good. She'll she'll get that national attention soon. Yeah. And then I feel like the bottom half of the bracket is a little bit less exciting. I think maybe a little bit of down years for Georgia Tech and USF and that teams that we're really talking about from like a top 25 perspective, but still solid programs. Um, so I think that that first matchup between those two should be interesting. But I think, I mean, Michigan hasn't been tested yet, but – I wouldn't be surprised to see Michigan kind of cruise a little bit to the championship game here. Yeah, I agree. Michigan's the best player in the bottom, or the best team in the bottom <laughs> half, uh, for sure. But Georgia Tech USF could be um, the opposite of Iowa UConn. Um, one of those games <laughs> that people will play it's on Flow Sports because those are two very grinded out teams. You see, uh, USF has been weirdly high scoring this year, but I don't know how long that's going to last once they start playing teams like this um i i will be i mean this is the type of game i would enjoy watching all the defense but you know i'm crazy i think <laughs> i'm gonna come out of this though like you said so 
Uh, Michigan Baylor, just looking ahead of possible championships, would be a fun one. That would be, I think they played in. That was against Sun last year. Uh, one of the last game. tournaments and one regular season game, maybe. I think they played twice in the last two years, but one of them, maybe both of them, one of them was an overtime game. That's off the top of my head. Yeah. I, think. I think both of both of them might have been, actually, because it was, was it the Sweet 16 two years ago? I think it was think the so. Sweet 16 mm-hmm. two years ago, and I'm pretty sure that went to overtime. And then they had a rematch at Mohegan Sun early-ish, like December last season, and I'm fairly certain that also went into overtime. You might be right, yeah. So that would be a fun one. These two teams have a little bit of uh, recent history, some good matchups, but... Villanova, Michigan, I think would be a rematch too. They played each other in the tournament, right? Yes, they did. And Villanova lost, uh, but maybe a chance to to yeah. avenge that. Mm-hmm. In last year's tournament, so that would be that would be another fun rematch. Um, there's just all sorts of potential matchups to look at in this one. I think. Yeah, I think even though it lacks kind of like that that top five, top ten type punch of talent, it's still one of the best fields that we've got coming next week. It's a deeper field, a little bit, and there yeah. will be closer games and more chaos, which is exactly what you want. Exactly. Right, maybe more fun than just the star power. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the one thing I realized as we were doing that, though, is I forgot to ask you who was going to win the other three. So oh. rapid fire edition, but the oh. Phil Knight Legacy, so that's the UConn Iowa Phil Knight tournament. Who do you have coming out there? I'm going to go UConn on that one. I'm going to be less spicy than the Gonzaga pick. Go <laughs> yeah, I'm also gonna go UConn there. I don't, I don't think Iowa's defense can overcome AZ Foot, basically. No. Um, Phil Knight Invitational. We've got probably UNC, Iowa State in that championship game. I think I'm gonna go Iowa State here. I think this has got a little bit more, more experience and can pull off that one. I'm gonna go Iowa State too. Yeah, I feel like Iowa State. As long as they're not playing another top tier team in the Big 12, <laughs> for some reason they they always struggle in those games. But against anyone else, they they usually take care of business. Yep. And then uh, last but not least, the the Gulf Coast one. I'm gonna go with Michigan in this one. Like I said, I've been pretty impressed with Michigan, even though they haven't been tested yet. Uh, some of those other teams we talked about haven't been tested, but they haven't even been impressive in, in the games against lower tier teams. At least Michigan has really been impressive. They're not winning by 20. They're winning by 50, you know, against some of these teams. So I want to go Michigan. I'm going to go spicy here and go with Villanova. I think that Maddie Segrist can being the best player in this tournament can, can lift them to that win. And they already do have that, that Princeton win. So they've actually seen a test so far, which should help them going into this field. Are you, uh, are you going spicy or are you going Big East Homer? Yeah, a little of both. (laughs) Plus, it means more chances to watch Maddie Seagrass against good teams, which is (laughs) never a bad thing. (laughs) Big I just noticed this one does does have consolation, actually. I read the bracket wrong, so I guess we'll get to see them all three times, but... If they keep yeah. winning, we'll get to see them. Uh, we'll get to see Seagrass three times against probably better teams and better matchups, which would be ideal. Exactly. exactly. All right. Well, I think that's it. Thanks, Calvin, for joining me. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Megan. Well, that's all for today's episode. Thank you for listening. As always, make sure you rate, like, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening or watching us. 
Also be sure to follow the stat or subscribe to the stats site, herhoopstats.com for all of the NCAA stats you need for this season. We've just changed our pricing structure and our offering. So definitely go check that out. Also be sure to subscribe to our free newsletter on Substack for all of our best content in your inbox and follow us on social media at herhoopstats on all platforms. Thanks again for listening. Oh.